0: listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. We're going to continue on with our very last uh, sermon in our little book series uh, on Philemon part two, because I was having a difficult time fitting all of this entire page into one sermon. Um, So I wanted to talk more about that. As well. Uh, I'm honored. First of all, our worship was so awesome this morning. I'm so grateful to our worship team. You know, we we're missing a couple people. We were missing Greg, uh, who is doing a wedding down in Boise for the normal guitar player over here. And then Greg took his wife with him. And so we were missing our bass player. And uh, so, but our worship team's awesome. And you guys worshiped so amazingly today. Do you believe the words that you're saying? that he will never, ever, ever, ever fail. Now, he might fail of the things that I think that I want to have in my life, but he knows what's best. His will will never, ever, ever fail. And we get to submit to his will, to his plan, to his purpose. And so God is constantly trying to reach into your heart, reach into your soul, and share with you what his purpose and what his plan is for you. And he does that in this letter, this personal letter to Philemon, a real person a, in a real place, at a real time. This is not some mythical, this is like a letter letter, like a letter that your grandma maybe wrote to your grandpa when he was in World War II. Real people, real place, real time. So if you missed last week, you can catch online. but to quickly catch you up, we talked about some characters. We had Philemon, who was uh, the slave owner, and he was a businessman, and he was in the city of uh, Colossae. And so he had a slave, he was a Christian, Paul helped convert him. That um, he was a Christian, but he had slaves, which is, we're like, that's weird, how can you be a Christian and have slaves? And then you had uh, Onesimus over here, who was a slave, who was a runaway slave in the Roman world at that time, who became very dear and near to Paul. And then you had Paul writing that letter, and we kind of went through and read through the letter as Paul is doing it and kind of laying it on pretty thick, but also imploring, imploring Philemon to do the right thing. And do you know that today that God is still imploring you to do the right thing? God is imploring you to bring the kingdom of of heaven back, crashing into earth by being more Christ-like, by understanding the injustices that are around us, and not just feeling sad or bad about, about it, but actually caring and doing something about it, biblically. Not just to be aware and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll pray for you but actually get engaged and involved and change the world. He picked you and me to change the world. He picked us to partner with him. How was your partnership this week? How was your partnership with God this week? Did you hear from him? Did you guys talk? Did you spend time together? Did you worship together? Did you, or was it like, I just made it through the week? How many people had a prayer answered this week? Look it, look it. God's answering prayers. He's active and he's working and he's moving here amongst us. So last week we read this letter through Paul's eyes and as he was uh, encouraging Philemon to do the right thing, even though it would have been super unpopular. Do you know that you might be encouraged to do the right thing through God's word and through his Holy Spirit, even though the rest of the world might not think that that's popular? Do you think that could possibly happen to you in the next five or 10 years of your life? What if it was dangerous for Philemon to not discipline this slave the way that he's supposed to in the Roman world? They weren't big fans of their slaves revolting, i.e. Spartacus. They needed the slaves for a purpose and a reason. And if you weren't going to take care of your slaves and discipline them and help us stop the revolt, then we'll take care of you. So it was probably not only unpopular, but probably dangerous to him. And remember last week when we did the no, we don't remember it. This was the service that didn't do it right. No, I didn't teach it right. Ooh. Ooh. All the people listening to this letter being read, going like, Ooh. Paul asked him to do this. Ooh. Paul asked him to do that. They're shocked. Because this is weird. This is weird in this culture. So Onesimus is a slave, and he's a slave in a Roman world. And that world was f- around for a roughly a thousand years. Let's read uh, an excerpt here from Philemon 8 through 16. That's all the part of Philemon we're going to read today. And then we're going to dive into some things. And I think it's really important for us to have a good understanding of slavery in the Roman world as well. So let's read this. Therefore, so he said he lathered all that good stuff on Philemon. And you know, Philemon was like, Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm great. Check it out. I don't know if you guys heard that. We could read that part again. And then he says, Therefore. And we always say, Cool. What's it there for? Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, I prefer, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. Here's an interesting fact. I don't know that this is like, the case, but you know, Paul wasn't, that wasn't his uh, given name. His first name was Saul. And when he came to know the Lord, uh, that he had his name changed to Paul. And I wonder if, this is just Josh, Josh uh, this is from the book of uh, Josh Thinks. I wonder if Paul changed Onesimus' name to Onesimus. And I wonder this because of what Onesimus means. Onesimus, that name means Useful. That name means profitable. And guess what a runaway slave was not to its owner. Not useful. Not profitable. And so here we have Paul introducing this runaway slave in the name of Onesimus. Pure conjecture, but just something I thought about. His name means profitable or useless Or useful. Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become Onesimus. He's become useful, both to to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place and help me while I'm in chains for the gospel but I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. You'd want to do the right thing because you are a follower of Jesus. You'd want to be compelled to do the right thing because you are a follower of Jesus. Is the right thing always the easiest thing? Is it normally not the easiest thing? (laughs) Like the path of least resistance, I could cut this corner. Nope. Nope. Perhaps uh, the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Like with you in the kingdom of heaven forever because he is now a believer. Amen? Amen? No longer a slave. Woo! He doesn't want him to... Paul doesn't want him to be a slave. But better than a slave. What's better? What could be better than a slave? being a slave to Christ Jesus, being a bondservant to Christ Jesus, fulfilling the mission of God as a servant of Christ Jesus. And Paul, it's interesting, he talks this over and over again, you know, I am a prisoner in chains for the gospel. I am bonded to, I I am connected, I am bound to Jesus. And guess what happened when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, for those of you that have? You bound yourself to him and his ways. You bound yourself to to being made and molded and changed to be more like Jesus. What does the word Christian mean? Little Christ. To be Christ-like. To imitate Christ. Also to have him as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man, as a brother in the Lord. So you have, you have Philemon, you have Onesimus, and you have Paul, and you have the audience watching. How is this Christian going to treat this other Christian who, who stole from him, who deserted him, who might have made his life harder? And Paul is calling that Christian to go back and make it right. In the face of death, he's calling him to go back and make it right. Even if he died at the hands of Philemon, he's calling him to go make it right. That takes a heart change from Onesimus, would it not? And he's asking more of that. So why would he not ask more of that for you and I as Christians? Now, I want to break this down into two uh, ideas about slavery. Because does anybody, like as you are reading this last week, you're like, yeah, slavery like, why did God, why is that okay? Why did he, I saw a bumper sticker, it said, it said, oh, oh, you decided to ban shellfish, but not slavery. Like you can't, you know, for Jews, they can't eat, you know, uh, shellfish. Like, oh, but not slavery. And so I think it's important to understand slavery in this context and how we view slavery. How many, when you and I think of slavery, what do we think of, Civil War? We think of horrible time in our country? for a lot of people in our country. How could they have been? We're a Christian nation. Don't they read the Bible? Don't they know about uh, Deuteronomy? I think it's, uh, what I have, 21, uh, 15, 12? Don't they know that you can't kidnap somebody from another country and bring them to your country and enslave them? Don't they know that God would say that you should be put to death if you do that? And our Christian nation somehow missed that. So slavery in the Hebrew world, prior to Rome, was a little different than slavery in the Roman world. Slavery in the Roman world is a lot like our slavery that we're familiar with. But slavery in the Hebrew world, as God is moving this, he's moving this change of as fast as his people can take it to where we're hopefully trying to get to today. About not enslaving someone else for your gain and for your benefit. Israelite slavery versus slavery in the modern era Kidnapping people from their homeland uh, for sale as slaves is condemned in the Old Testament. It condemns this practice and makes it punishable by death. Exodus twenty-one six: Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death. I said Deuteronomy, I meant Exodus 21.16. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether that victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Kidnapping is punishable by death. When you're trying to enslave someone. So Israelites became slaves to one another not through kidnapping or through the unfortunate uh, process of just being born a slave, but because of debt or poverty. Being a slave, as as in the Israelite world, was preferable to starving to death. You could die or be a slave. And people might sell themselves into slavery to pay off debt, or at least have a home, but slavery was not a, not a lifelong hold. After six years of indenturing yourself to someone, the seventh year, you're supposed to be released. And you're not only supposed to be released just to get away, but you're supposed to be released and equipped to get up on your feet and go. That's Israelite slavery. Now, Roman slavery, we talked a little bit about this, this is an industry. Slave trade was an industry. I always mess with the slide. They never—it's hard, hard to follow. Um, you guys know that. No, slave trade was an industry. It's regulated. It's taxed. It's recorded. Now, how did someone become a slave in the Roman world? Well, they lost. They were the spoils of war. They were kidnapped. There's there's stories of entire cities, like 15, 20,000 people, just being like, "Yep, gotcha. Clean this up. We're taking you somewhere else." Can you imagine? All of us being slaves, somebody coming and conquering the great uh, area of Moscow and we're all slaves? Yeah, but I'm a doctor. I don't care. Yeah, but I'm a this. I don't care. We won. You're a slave now. We're going to take you all the way to Lewiston. <laughs> and make you work at a paper mill. I'm just kidding. The paper mill's awesome. I didn't mean that any, anything. Like, but, like, can you imagine that? All of us. Well, you can't take me slave. I would... Be a slave is what you'd be. Because you didn't know. So you could be born into slavery. You could be a slave in the Roman world because of a crime you committed. You could be a slave in the Roman world because you filed bankruptcy. Can you imagine the consequences of ruining your credit score? Or what if it was more? Like, I wonder if we would treat finances and money and debt quite a bit more seriously if you knew that your daughter or your son or your family could have to go work for whoever to pay that off for six or seven years because there was no chapter seven. There was chapter five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, and eleven, twelve because that's what the chapter of your life was going to be written being a slave working for somebody else because you didn't handle your money correctly. So slavery in the Roman world is a big deal. Remember when I said last week that sometimes free, uh, slaves could be freed at the age of 30? Guess what the life expectancy of a Roman slave was? 28. <laughs> Not all slave life was equal. The worst of the worst would get sent to the mines. Can you imagine working in a mine your entire life? That's your job. You're just, you're just act-picking or picking things up with your hands. That's your entire life. Or agricultural slaves. You're just, you're just working in a field all day long without a combine. You're harvesting wheat one, one step at a time, and that's your entire life. Some slaves could be doormen, like bouncers and bodyguards, if they had that skill set to protect the slave owner's household. They could be nurses, personal attendants, cooks, cleaners, gardeners, handymen, shoppers. You definitely wanted to have some skills and not be in the mines. Slaves in the Roman world to, to, uh, then were as common as us having a car today. How many people drove here today? You enslaved your car to drive you here today. Well, I needed to get around. I needed to do things. The Roman world needed slaves and wanted slaves and did it that way. It was as common as you owning a car. So of like, Philemon, why would you have slaves? He's like, oh. like, why would you have a car? I don't understand. It would be the same question. It's just commonplace for hundreds of years. You could gain your freedom, but it's difficult. You could buy, they could buy their freedom, or they had extraordinary service to their owner. But being a freed man or a freed slave did not mean you were anything close to equal. You couldn't serve in certain places. There's certain things you couldn't do. You're free. And a lot of freed slaves sold themselves back into slavery because that's all they knew. And that's how they could take care of themselves and their family. Some of the freed slaves became slave owners. Slaves could be freed upon an owner's death. They were given a cap that showed that they were freed men and they would take on their owner's name or the name of the clan that they came from. To carry that on so not equal now what is the bible doing with slaves we see how they're interacting with these hebrew slaves well what about these roman slaves and this time and what about the new testament why doesn't they just why don't they just say stop it and not have slaves anymore we well, can only change a culture at the rate that it will tolerate that change and paul and the new testament are doing that and it goes it's true for us today we can only change our culture at the rate that the culture will tolerate it or how, how fast we want to assimilate that. And we, can, we have assimilated to a, a different culture in the last 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Have we not? Yes. It's different, right? And there's been a push go, to go this way or a push to go this way or this way and we mix it up with politics and all this other stuff. But like, well, don't mix religion and politics. Religion supersedes politics. Your faith in Jesus Christ and what God says for you to do is far more important than whatever your political party says that you should do. Like, we don't mix them up. Like, well, you can't talk about abortion because that's political. No, it's not. That's not political. That's medical. That's life and death. Well, you can't talk about this thing because it's political. No, it's not. This has been around longer than the Republican Party. This has been around longer than the Democratic Party. Weird. Like, this knows better. The Holy Spirit knows better. Where'd I go with that? What am I doing? Woo! <laughs> Woo! Getting loose up here. <laughs> so, why does God allow slavery? And what is Paul doing about it? Well,. Why does he allow you to do things that are not, that he doesn't want you to do? Because he didn't make you a robot. You have this thing called free will, amen? You can do some pretty amazing things with your life. You can serve mankind pretty amazingly. You can dedicate your life to serving the kingdom of God and not yourself. Society won't tell you that, but you could do that. So have free will, and guess what free will did? It made people, we still have this thing called pride and greed and aggression, and if I can get above you and you can get above me. And you know how many times I find myself even doing that, like, unconsciously? I ask myself that a lot this week. Where am I enslaving someone else? No matter how little it may be, like, where am I doing that? Convict me of that, Lord. Am I more of an enslaver or an encourager of God's people? I want to be an encourager. Here's the thing with slavery: slavery is not gone. It's just not on our clean little American faces right now. Do you know that there's 50 million slaves today in the world? There's 50. Are you outraged? There's 50 million. Everybody in California, everybody in Oregon, and everybody in Washington is around 50 million people. If that section of our country was enslaved into slave labor, where you moms had your baby on your back, and you were in a cobalt mine in the Dominican Republic, and you were digging digging cobalt so we could drive our Teslas or whatever, or I could have my iPhone, and your kids sucking in cobalt dust on your backpack... Well, they're getting paid. Yeah, they could die or get paid and work in the mine. So slavery is not gone, it's just not in our faces anymore. And we may still unknowingly be enabling it. 50 million slaves currently, according to the International Labor Organization, people being coerced uh, significantly or forced to work in private industry. You know that we have 400,000 sex slaves in America? That's their job. That's what they're forced to do in our very own towns. So this is a real deal. It's not gone. Slavery's not gone. We haven't figured it out. We haven't elevated ourselves above it. There's things that we might do that might be enslaving other people. And are we aware of those things or do we even care about it? So Paul gives some instructions no matter what your circumstance or where you're sitting in that life, he gives some instructions, and he does it in Ephesians and in Colossians about slaves and what, how slaves. He's acknowledging slavery here, and but he's also giving instructions on how to move that needle a little bit. And so here's what he says in Ephesians chapter six, verses five through nine. He says, "Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart." Wow. Why don't you just say, like, "Run from him, like kick him in the knee and run. And do that just as you would obey Christ. Hmm. Obey them not to win their favor with their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ. He uses that phrase all like that we are bonded to Christ, a slave to Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. No matter what you're doing, serve like you're serving the Lord because you are. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are a slave or free. And then he does something that people would be like, wow. And masters, treat your slaves the same way I just asked them to treat you, oh. do not threaten them, since you know that he who both uh, is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. You are not better than your slave, not in the kingdom of heaven. you are on equal footing. so Paul is starting this turn about slavery, and i don 't know how our Christian nation missed that for our gain for our popularity for our whatever we we're trying to accomplish back then but it's an embarrassing time and all of this and one little letter to Philemon where he starts changing this and he starts uh, en- engaging this in Ephesus and he starts engaging this in Colossians he starts engaging this discussion about slaves and masters and that we are all truly bound in a good way to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ remember if paul's letter doesn't work onesimus is dead and if if paul's letter doesn't work in the heart of the church we're dead we're dead in our faith if we're not seeking to make amends, if we're not seeking to do the right thing, we're dead. Our faith is dead. And if our faith is dead, we have nothing. Philemon is a letter to repair a breach between humanity. And that breach and those repairs are sitting in these chairs today. You are called to repair relationships in this breach of humanity. Enslaving someone is a breach of humanity, and it's not in God's design. Am I enslaving anyone by my actions, with what I purchase, how I treat others, in power or manipulation to get something at someone else's cost? Ask yourself that question a lot. Are you doing what's in the best interest of the kingdom of God? I wanted to close with this. Paul wants to continue and he works to continue to level the playing field. To know, and his messages are always going back to like we are bound to Christ Jesus. We are bound to being followers of Christ Jesus and that makes us look different. That makes us function different. In Galatians 3, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. All of you are children through, uh, of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You wear it. He is upon you. He is, the Holy Spirit is within you. It is in your life. It is all around you. You can't get away from it, no matter how hard you run. There is neither... Jew, nor Gentile. Most of us in here are Gentiles. We're not Jewish. But he levels the playing field. There's neither slave nor free. Oh, wait a minute, I want to be free. I'm in America, freedom. Free to serve God. Free to be bound to Jesus Christ. Free to... Bring the kingdom of God crashing right into the Palouse. Is there anything we need to change on the Palouse? Anything out there that we're just like, man, let's go get that real life. Let's go. Let's get that right now. Let's go get it done. God's people together and a common focus and a common goal. Woo! Nor is there male or female. So let's talk about this. This isn't saying that there's multiple genders. What he's saying is like the status that men would be up here and women would be down here and children are there. Nope. Boom. Guess what you are made, in? ladies? Guess whose image you're made in? God's image. Guess what he calls you? He calls you a treasured possession. Men, guess whose image you're made in? Adonis. No. Uh, Whose image are you made in? God's image. God made, uh, made them, right? He made them both. So like we have this. We are, we are made in his image. We are right here. It's us. He says that you're even his treasured possession. That you're special. That you matter. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and, according to, uh, and, and heirs according to his promise. You and I are God's heirs. What does an heir of God look like? How does he function? How does he act? How does she act? What do they do? Do do we need to have some more information on what you should do as a Christian? Are we not sure? Are we we confused on what we're supposed to do? Because I already know way more than I'm ever doing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. Once you get that one done, let's talk. We're God's heirs, so let's show the world what God's love, uh, what, what God's love and forgiveness is like this week. Ask yourself those questions: Where am I enslaving others? Enslavery is not dead; it's just not in our face. And it's time for us as Christians to continue to look at ways to abolish slavery. And doing it together, whether it's in our own country or somewhere else. Amen? We shouldn't be okay that there's 50 50 million slaves. That should bother you. It bothers me. I think it should bother you too. So what does it look like? What are we doing to move forward the kingdom of God? It's weird that we're still fighting slavery, but I didn't even know it. All right, let's take this time to go to communion. And we're going to step into the presence of God. This last week, I asked you guys, I asked you guys to think about where did you need to make amends? Is there someone somewhere that you need to make amends with? And I hope that you took advantage of that opportunity. And I'm not going to leave it alone. I'm going to ask you again that you would continue to move forward to making amends. You know why? Because that's the kingdom of God. God is about making amends. He was so much about making amends. You know what he did? He gave us his very own son, his very own body, his very own blood to make amends for all the sins of humanity. He cares about you that much. So let's take this time and go to communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. It is for you, Do this in remembrance of me, Lord. We remember you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it and do it in remembrance of me, Lord. We remember you. I want to read Isaiah 61, 1 through 5 over you guys as we're exiting and our music folks are coming up here. The year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Me being we, okay? Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, I now anoint all of you to proclaim good news to the poor. As God has anointed me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This week, some of you will bind up people that are brokenhearted. You'll do it. You'll be on mission with God. You'll start bringing the kingdom of heaven back together. He also says to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. There's people around you in your life that are in prison, they don't even know it. They're in darkness and they don't know how to get out of it. And God is sending you, not even me. You don't need to bring them to the pastor. He's put his spirit inside you. And he wants you to proclaim the year of the Lord. The year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn you're going to be comforters this week and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. You're going to comfort those who grieve and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You're going to pour out blessings upon people's lives today as or this week as believers of Jesus Christ. You're going to put blessings and crowns upon them. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise. Instead of spirit of despair. Real life, on the palouse, you will be called oaks of righteousness. That's my part. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You get a chance to show off who God is this week. You get a chance to mend the brokenhearted this week. Seize that day. Seize that opportunity. Father God, I thank you for this time with these amazing people that you brought here today, Lord. We've got a chance to worship. We're going to worship again. You're going to fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit. What's well, already there, you're just going to help us recognize it. You're going to help us let it out. You're going to let us see with your eyes, Lord. We're going to recognize how to see with your eyes this week. How we're going to be part of setting the captives free. How we're going to be part of freeing people that are enslaved. Heck, we might even get free ourselves from things that we're enslaving ourselves to, Lord. I ask you to reveal that to these people here today. Your anointing be upon them. Protect them and care for them. Let them have an amazing week with you. In Jesus' name, amen.